We are back. And in this hour, we are talking about the outrage uh, after the first African-American female president of Harvard University, Dr. Cardine Gay, gave testimony on Capitol Hill about anti-Semitism on the campus, and then the concerted effort to have her ousted as president. Joining me in this hour is Judith Adu. She is a classmate of mine. She's a Harvard Law alum. She's also a very successful investment banker and one of 1,600 plus Black alumni from schools across Harvard University who signed a letter in support of President Gay. A little later in the show, we're going to also add Dr. Julianne Malvo, who is a former president of Bennett College. Thanks so much, Judith, for joining me. Uh, Thanks for your advocacy and standing up for Dr. Gay. I I just want to read to you this tweet uh, that's on X, formerly known as Twitter, by Bill Ackman. He says, and this is, I'm reading directly from the, the post, I learned from someone with first person knowledge of the Harvard president's search that the committee would not consider a candidate who did not meet the DEI office's criteria. The same was likely true for other elite universities doing searches at the same time, creating an even more limited universe of DEI eligible presidential candidates. Shrinking the pool of candidates based on required race, gender, sexual orientation criteria is not the right approach to identifying the best leaders of our most prestigious universities. Uh, I have been, I'm kind of skipping around, I have been called brave for my tweets over the last few weeks. The same could be said for those called out uh, Joseph McCarthy during the Red Scare I don't think it will be long before we look back on the last few years of free speech suppression and the repeated career-ending accusations of racists for those who question the DEI movement. Uh, we are shortly going to realize that the DEI era is the McCarthy era part two. Uh, he also says he doesn't think it's a, a good idea to uh, put a fat finger on the scale when selecting a leader. Uh, what's your initial reaction, Judith, to that statement by Bill Ackman, who happens to be a Harvard alum himself, a billionaire, a hedge fund manager? I think you're on mute, Judith. We we're not hearing. Very good. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Good evening, uh, or hello, everybody. And Ariva, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's a particular honor. I studied uh, a little bit of intel. I studied for the bar with Ariva. She was doing the California bar, I was doing the New York bar. But but for her, I'm not sure I would have made it the first time because my sister's serious has always been serious. So you know, when I want to, when I need, when I need to get over the line, I got to make sure I'm in the right company. So it's it's nice to be with you today. It's. Uh, it's it's actually sweet, and particularly on this topic, yeah. you know, um, this is bigger than Bill Ackman, and it's bigger than Dr. Gay, and that's why I'm actually adamant that we acknowledge the dynamics really at work. And you know, when you find really smart people, and Bill Ackman, Harvard College, Harvard Business School, probably of above average intelligence, and um, you know, I don't know what some of your listeners will think about capitalism, but you know, he's winning at some level. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe there's a fat he's finger successful. or something. Yeah, no no doubt he's been successful by he's the standards we judge success in this country. 
by some of the standards we judge, by which we judge success, he has been successful. Kudos to him and his efforts. What I learned in unpacking his original letter to the Harvard Corporation was that almost every single line of his letter, starting from the first sentence, was either wrong, mistaken, exaggerated, vague, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I had to ask myself why. Mm-hmm. Why is somebody so smart, so successful as fact checkers? The first line of his original letter um, says something, and we can actually get the actual words. Um, but it says in the nearly 500 years of Harvard colleges or Harvard you know, existence, Dr. Gay has done the most and the least amount of time to basically spoil the reputation of the university. Uh, well, Harvard's actually been around less than 400 years. <laughs> so that's okay. a mistake of 25% for a math whiz, avowed mm-hmm. math whiz, is significant. So um, I started literally going line by line. There have been 30 university presidents. Um, she got there. I mean, it's her first semester. I don't even know if the semester is over. Uh, then I literally go line by line as a first. And then I saw, wow, exaggeration, misstatement, vague, whatever. You know, how this is the worst event, this terrorist event of October 7th. By the way, let me just state for the record, um, because this is part of the method. In fact, we saw this with President Barack Obama, another Harvard Law grad. Um, if they can't get you on the merits, they'll start to undermine you, uh, your um your 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 existence. Were you born in the United States, right? Right. Were right. you are you smart enough? Are you plagiarizing? Did Dr. Gay plagiarize her PhD? Mm. Um, is she legitimate? They can't get her on the merits, so they gotta cast dispersions. That's why if you go literally line by line, and I could, we don't have the time to. Actually, I think I'm gonna write about it because I think it's important to unpack some of these things. This is the way. So the question is why? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons is that the average white man, and I can't speak for white men, of course, but the average person, and again, this is human, human, so I'm not casting aspersions at my brothers, but I would simply say that when you see your power slipping, mm-hmm. you have some choices. This is a part of, to me, a global movement where things are moving generally, the browning of America, the browning of the world. Okay, um, that people who traditionally enjoy the privileges of power are getting worried and they have to do something about it to make sure they stay in control of these institutions. Mm-hmm. Now, that is fundamental and uh, we can't make light of it because, I, you know, that is why, in my view, and I'll stop in a second, we can dig in. It was I was adamant that under no circumstances should Dr. Claudine Gay give in, give up to any of these people for any reason whatsoever. Okay. And I um, not only signed the petition, I I sent it to everybody I knew. I've been calling people, talking to everybody I know, uh, because they're, this is like a fight for the soul of America or the world. Okay. That's what we're really seeing. And so we will not take this lightly and certainly not for our children we've been fighting these battles or i mean we graduated in 1987 and we i mean my my nieces and nephew i don't want them to be dealing with this nonsense in another 50 years or 20 years so that's why i'm fighting it i'm so glad judith that you put into context uh, you know the the broader 
issues here and how someone like a Bill Ackman, as you said, Harvard College, Harvard Business School, uh, you know, by every measuring stick around money and, you know, success that comes with having a lot of money, he, you know, he can check those boxes, but yet he writes this letter, as you said, you've gone through line by line that, you know, it's not based on fact, uh, is riddled, as you said, with mistakes and exaggerations. And I think the thing that was so stunning to me was how we went from, she gave inadequate responses to Elise Stefanik, uh, a person herself, as I said, who was kicked off of a Harvard committee around the Kennedy School because of her refusal to acknowledge the legitimate election of Joe Biden, how we got from that to she's a DEI candidate or a DEI president. And I heard from someone. So this, you know, this anonymous tip that the only reason she is there because of, of some efforts on the part of the university. And he even goes further in this uh, tweet and says he suspects that pretty much every university president that's not a white male got there for the same reasons. And like you, I started doing some research like, well, who has been presidents of Harvard University? And I thought about Derek Bach. You remember Derek Bach, two-term president. He doesn't even have a PhD. So can you imagine a Black woman being selected as president of one of the world's most prestigious universities without her doctorate degree? Probably has never happened in the history of any university. And the and we could go down a list of all of these white males and compare Dr. Gay's credentials to theirs. I'd be hard pressed to think there are any uh, of them that have those credentials. And, and this notion, I think, Judith, too, that these arguments always uh, ignore is the fact that whether you call it DEI or affirmative action, Derek Bach and the other white men that have been president of Harvard and any other university, we know that there are fat fingers on the scales that get them into those positions. Now, maybe it's not somebody checking a box that says we need more white men, but it's the brother of someone who sits on the committee that's making the selection. It's someone that plays golf with someone. It's someone's son or someone's nephew or someone's cousin that is there advocating and being a champion for that person. Or it's just that person that has benefited from their whiteness and the privilege that comes with their whiteness and their maleness. But we, you know, we can't talk about all of those advantages that Bill Ackman Derek Bach and the likes of them have. Uh, Judith, how do we, you know, th these are conversations th that have to be uh, a part of this larger conversation about Dr. Gay. Uh, you know, how do we make sure that that doesn't get lost? Because we can't really have this conversation if we're not willing to talk about white male privilege. Well, so very good. Um, you're spot on. And by the way, this didn't just start. This has been going on for weeks. OK. And what I would say to you very directly is I've been having these conversations with some of my best friends who happen to be white men, some of them Jewish. I've known them for 40 years and we're still having these very difficult, frank conversations. And the only reason we can have them because we've known each other for so long. We work together for so long along so many different coalitions. These guys, including Bill Ackman, by the way, has given lots of money to black candidates, to black people, to brown people, to women. So they, they're in some ways their liberalism. I think blinds them to their bias 
and they're mm -hmm. prejudiced. And so we have to point it out lovingly, uh, sometimes contentiously, <laughs> uh, but it has to be pointed out. It's like you can, two things can be true. You could be exceedingly generous and you could be actually uh, racist and sexist and not even realize it. And one of the things I've had to show them or explain to them is that when I speak, please see me beyond my gender and my race. There may be something, just maybe, that I can offer to you that you've never seen or never heard before or never considered in the way that I'm considering it. And that may be of benefit to you. Because I think the end goal is, what are we actually trying to do? And that's the question. What are they, what's the end game? It's not about Dr. Gay. Okay, throw her out. Now what? There are only 6.7% Black folk at Harvard University as professors. That means 93% of them are white. Okay? So... Is that the too much? I'm glad you said that. What, what is the fear? We got like, you know, the smallest piece of this pie imaginable, right? In terms of professorships, the first black woman president in, you know, the, the entire history of this university. So it is not as if she's number 10, she's number 15, she's number 20, or as if when she is gone, we should expect to see a replacement that looks like her, which is also uh, not likely to happen. And if these guys have anything to do with it, it definitely won't happen. Uh, when we come forward, we're going to add Dr. Julianne Malvo to this conversation. She's been uh, president of a university. She knows uh, the position and the predicament that someone like Dr. Gay finds themselves in. Uh, stick around. We got more to say, lots to say on this issue of race, white privilege, and the first female Black president at Harvard University, right here on KBLA Talk 1580. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back, and in this hour, we're talking about the outrage that was sparked amongst GOP activists, elected officials, Harvard alums, and others after Dr. Claudine Gay, Harvard's first African-American female president, testified on December 5th uh, before GOP congressional leaders on how she was treating or handling anti-Semitism on college campuses. She was one of three college presidents, one from UPenn, one from MIT, that testified that day. The UPenn president was subsequently ousted uh, after calls for her resignation and different result in the case of Harvard, Harvard alumni, Harvard professors stood up in support of Dr. Gay and the Harvard Corporation that's responsible for hiring and firing the president issued a statement in support of Dr. Gay uh, and the her appointment as president. But some of those voices that were most vocal about ousting her have said they're not done yet, that this issue is far mm. from over. Uh, we've been talking with a Harvard Law School alum of mine, or classmate of mine, Judith Adu, an investment banker and one of the 1,600 plus alums that signed a letter in support of Dr. Gay. And we're adding to the conversation now, Dr. Julianne Malvo. She's a best-selling author, economist, and she's a former president of Bennett College, and she happens to be a Black woman. So I reached out to Dr. Malvo because I imagine she knows a lot about being where Dr. Gay is. That is, being the president of a university, having your credentials questioned, having your competency questioned, and really just being under attack for what Judith and I have concluded is for no other reason other than the fact that you are Black and you are female. So welcome to this conversation, Dr. Malvo, and I'd love to hear your initial 
response or reaction to all of this outrage over Dr. Gay and this campaign to force her to resign? Well, Ariva, first of all, always a pleasure to be with you. And my sister from Harvard, always a pleasure to know you. I, you know, I recoiled at the conversation because um, Virginia Fox, Republican from North Carolina, who I know well as, I'll just say I know well, um, and Stefanik, who the, the New York Republican, who really led the hostile uh, questioning of uh, Dr. Gay, as well as the other two, um, I recoiled at it because I put myself in their space. First of all, the college president's job is threefold. Number one, to do leadership. That's the most important thing. And number two, to um, do, be a thought leader. So your university is a thought leader. You talk about what people are thinking. And then number three is to raise money. But in the past 20 years, the issue of fundraising has gone to the top of the pile, not to the bottom. And so that's been part of the challenge uh, is that you've got to raise money. So for the sister at Penn, the fact that a $100 million donor said, I'm going to take my money, really put her in an awkward position. Thankfully for Dr. Gay and for the president at MIT, they were also like, uh-uh. Because once you allow the tail to wag the dog, you basically say, whoever put some money on the table, is going to run the university. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Universities are supposed to be thinking places, thinking places, not um, reactive places. Of Virginia Fox and uh, Stefanik, actually, before even those three women came up, said they wanted them to atone. Ariva, I can't, I, I don't know if I can drip my, uh, anger and <laughs> a tone for the positions that their universities have taken. Yes, we have people who stand with Israel. And yes, we have people who stand with Palestine. And you have students from both places. When does Israel become the only place that we pay attention to? Well, I don't want to jump into the conspiracy theory space. But when the people who are supporting Israel have the most money. Um, sister at Pennsylvania got in trouble primarily not because of this, but because she allowed a Palestinian writers conference to happen on her campus. Hey, what's wrong with that? But there are those who don't want to hear Palestinian voices. I am so grateful to MIT, my alma mater, um, and for Harvard, who said, we're not playing with that. Now, Penn had another story, and they had many multi-billion dollar, uh, basically, donors. Mm -hmm. They should not be the tail that wags the dog. The tail that wags the dog is academic freedom. The tail that wags the dog is we have conversations. Yes, there are odious conversations, uh, but Ariva, let's just let's show us back in our own history. Odious conversations. Uh, how many times have black students been targeted? How many times have they been talked about like dogs? How many times have nooses 
I'm getting agitated, you know, the research I'm doing, so I'm not going to go there. How many times a noose has been laid on people's desks in their study carols? Ain't nobody said anything about that, so let me just go ghetto. Ain't nobody said anything about that, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I'm not saying that we should, at university campuses, have conversations that make people uncomfortable. And that's what's been happening but there is such a cabal that says you can't do that. And that's wrong. Claudine Gay is a rock star, as far as I'm concerned, as a college president, as the first black woman Harvard president. Let's not let her get thrown under the bus because the likes of Virginia Fox and others ask her to atone, atone a tone for what's happened on their campuses. As long as you have young people, you're going to have drama. Their whole brains have not been evolved until they're about 25 years old. I'm not dissing young people. If y'all listen, I'm not dissing y'all. But young people are vitriolic. Uh, They are um, expressive. And that's what a campus is about. So, hey, if it was me, I would not be quitting my job. Y'all have to roll me out in a wheelbarrow because, <laughs> because it's ridiculous. It's just totally ridiculous. Have I said enough or you won't move? No, no, no. You've, you've, said, uh, you've said a lot and you've said some incredibly important things that I think Judith and I are the first to agree with you that Dr. Claudine Gay is a rock star. And we know to get the job as president of Harvard, you would have to be a rock star. There is no way you could be anything other than exceptional. You'd have to be, you know, that 110% that our parents teach us to be. You couldn't be average. You couldn't be, you know, the Derek Box of the world with walking in there with a master's degree thinking you're going to become the first black woman president of Harvard. So we are in complete agreement with that. When we come forward, Judith, I do want to talk about this issue of money and the influence of money uh, on college campuses and a place like Harvard where people think, you know, we have more money at Harvard than than God, right? Or, you know, the money is just an infinite flow. But that became a, a real lightning rod in this whole debate about money and donors and donors walking away their money. And even at Harvard, some of the alums said, not only are we going to pull our money, we're going to stop fundraising. We're going to stop our volunteer hours. We're going to stop doing things to help the university raise money. Uh, talking about I- Uh, get your thought when we come forward I want to have this conversation about money because money is at the root of a lot of things and it looks like at the root of the evil directed towards Dr. J stay with us KBLA Talk 1580 so Judith Dr. Malvo raised uh, the question about the big elephant in the middle of the room which is money and how the UPenn board responded once they had a $100 million donor walk away. And she talked about some of the other issues uh, at UPenn that may have fueled the decision to force their president out after these uh, hearings on Capitol Hill. But talk to us about money at Harvard, because we also saw many of the Harvard alums talk about pulling their donations, pulling their volunteer hours and doing things uh, to try to impact, you know, the the economics at Harvard as a way of voicing their protests and as a way of trying to cause the Harvard board to oust uh, Dr. Gay. But uh, as we now we know from the board, it wasn't successful. Uh, what's the difference, you think, at Harvard uh, when you compare it to what happened at UPenn? 
think you're muted again, Judith. Oh, we can't hear you, Judith. Thank you. How are you? I apologize for that. Um, so there are a couple of things that are really important. First of all, it's the love of money. We were referencing it as, as being the root of all evil, not money per se, but the love of money. And that's a, an important distinction to make because, um, you know, I have three comments uh, to this issue. One, those who want to take their money should take. In fact, I actually think all those who have a problem with DEI or black women or whatever, uh, please take your money. Please take your money. Go away. Take it. Go. In fact, I think we should give it back. Some of this <laughs> money is blood money. Some of it is all kinds of money. Uh, I, 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 though I would love as much money as possible so many students and researchers can have the access to the resources they need. Uh, not all money is equal and some of it should be given back. So I would actually volunteer voluntarily. If I were in charge of the world, I would give back some of this money. If you don't like me and what we stand for, then you shouldn't please don't invest in what our cause is. Uh, it, it would not be helpful. Um, so that's, that's just me, but you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like that. So I acknowledge that uh, I may be different, but, um, all money is not the same. Um, that's one, two, I want to also draw attention to the fact that people like Bill Ackman, who's a hedge fund manager, very talented, I'm sure, but he's not always right. He's just a very, very smart man, but he doesn't know everything. And by the way, I should also draw attention to, um, the fact that he gets, a lot of his investment, uh, a lot of his money from managing public pension funds. Hello. hello. And I imagine hello. that hello. a lot of them, hello. 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 Um, you know, are the pension funds of black, brown mm -hmm. women in particular uh, are, are people. Uh -huh. And so I don't know if you should be managing our funds <laughs> if you don't respect us or the best of us. And so the big fat, you know, finger of diversity. And by the way, if you said if there were you know sixty percent black women at Harvard University in terms of professors or students, I'd understand why somebody might feel okay, kind of that's an, an imbalance. We're six point seven in terms of professors and six point one in terms of students. Six point one percent, ninety three percent of all folk at Harvard, whether professors or students, are white or not non black. Right. So um, I'm not sure why if we were in ten percent of the population. Uh, why we have some sort of problem that DEI has gone too far. This is about power. That's why I don't, in some ways, this is all this stuff is smoke, right? The right. truth is power shifting. I have asked five of my friends, at least in the last 24 hours, have you ever seen three women of any color stand in front of a congressional committee, hands raised, leading, you know, a corporation, a pension fund, uh, school, anything. I've never right. seen it in my entire I life. I can't no, remember. Hell okay. no. Hell no. And that's what this is about. The op the fact that the gatekeepers of power, which are, right. if, if you understand, kind of without education, you don't get access in America by and large. It's helpful to have gone through these doors. The gatekeepers are changing. And these guys want to maintain control of that gate. Right. And they're doing it with money. They're doing, but this is really about power. So, in fact, the money is a way to power. I get it. That's why they endow these seats, which I'm saying, give them back their money. And very importantly, and you know, Dr. Malvo mentioned how the word atone got stuck in her craw. They've been going because I've been one of uh, Bill Ackman's, one of his roommates from Harvard College, old dear friend of him. They were in each other's weddings, et cetera, is a dear friend of mine. I've known him for 15 years. 
He's the first guy writing checks. He's the first guy, you know, he is righteous. Okay. And I have found, I've learned a lot. He's taught me a lot in the last two, three weeks. Okay. One of the things that I assume because he's one of the good guys, you know, his parents were missionaries in Africa. I assumed he was with me every step of the way. He is not. And that's maybe, you know, so I have to grow up too. Right. And we've been able to well, have. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Real quickly. You say he's not with you. He is supportive of the ouster of the president and he, he, he supports was, the language and rhetoric of his former roommate. OK, so he he's thankfully he's shifted because he has this email list. that goes out to thousands of people. And I, together with many others, have been writing to him. Uh, some people agree with him. Some people call into question. He was on the fence about Dr. Gay's ouster. OK, but he has written. I have it, copies. He has written that this DEI, so I'm only the first person in favor of DEI, but maybe it's gone too far if these radical, anti-Semitic, Hamas-loving, uh, you know, oppression, oppressor versus the oppressor. So I, when I, I saw that, I said, hold on now. Come on, y'all. <laughs> this is my brother. I like, I, I, we, you know, we, 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 dear friends. I wrote to him like, this is crazy. OK, when you start throwing like insults, like I have to be now a radical, anti-Semitic, pro-Hamas, oppressive person. First of all, if you've grown up in Africa, your parents were missionaries in Africa. How come we're having a conversation about oppressors versus uh, uh, the oppressed? Oppression exists. The question is, what do we want it to mean? Yes. So if you don't want it to mean anything, you're like, I'm radical to call for reparations. If, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela <laughs> was called a terrorist, right? right? So you don't want my oppression to mean anything. I got that. There are a group of people just like you. Many of them wonderful people. I get it. But that is a fundamental. They're like, not wonderful people. So hold on. So hold on. This is beautiful. Hold, hold on one second. Let me get this one line because this is where we're going to go down. This is it. If you are right, and this is, we have this in our families. You pay for my school fees, but you're a MAGA person. Are you a wonderful person or are you a bad person? So there, both things can be true. You can be wonderful on certain issues, and we can disagree on no. other issues. Okay, I don't okay. think that makes you a bad person. With due oh, respect, okay, Judith, we hear you. Go ahead, respond, Doctor Malvo. Well, with due respect, Judith, and I do appreciate your comments and your thinking. Well, with due respect, it's not about paying somebody's school fees. It's about looking at restructuring the ways that people of color, black people in particular, but others as well, Palestinians are dealt with. So somebody paid your school fees, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what happens to the people whose school fees you paid who effing wake up? Because that's the issue is waking up. When we look at what's happened, I mean, like I said, I, 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 Ariva, I don't even know how to, I woke up um, Monday when I saw that Dr. Gill, Gill had resigned, and I cried for her. And for me, I've been a college president. You're juggling everything. You've got Israeli students. You've got Palestinian students. You've got board, faculty, staff. You're walking a tightrope. As her lawyer said, she was over-lawyered, and she didn't start from her heart. I would have started by saying we condemn what happened with Hamas on October 7th. But then you would have to go on to say there is Islamophobia on our campus. The Jewish students are not the first nor the last to be harassed. 
we have stories or even that go back to the 1940s, what happened to black people at Harvard before you were there, before my sister Judith was there about how we were treated. Nobody said nothing about that. And let me just, when, when I get angry, I go get them. But, uh, you know, <laughs> nobody said anything about that. And so we have allowed and tolerated BS towards any number of types of students. And all of a sudden, because the Middle Eastern war is like kryptonite. When you touch it, you are going to turn into ashes. Possibly <laughs> Harvard's leaders would not allow Dr. Gay to be thrown under the bus as the folks at Penn were with Dr. McGill. But basically, what is the role of a college president? Three roles. And unfortunately, the latest role, the most important role for me is raise money. It's raise money, provide leadership, have vision. It's nine o'clock. Raise money, provide leadership, have vision. And they raise money used to be at the bottom of the pile. Now it's at the top. So the donors are the dogs that are wagging the tail. And that's the problem. College campuses are not supposed to be donor driven. They're supposed to be vision driven. On that note, and I, uh, this is the, one of the most interesting conversations I have had all year. And I'm not surprised because I have two brilliant, brilliant thought leaders and thinkers on. But we are out of time, ladies. I'm going to have to have you both back. This is such an interesting conversation. I know my viewers, our listeners are eating it all up. Uh, so much more to be said on this topic. Thank you so much, Judah. Thank you so much, Dr. Malvo. Always a lot smarter when I spend time with both of you. And I will have you back next.